Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, a show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host. Today I'm chatting with Janice from Rooted NC. It's a very heavy topic. It's about human trafficking and what we can do to stop it, how we can recognize it, and just some of the things we need to do to save our children. This is a very important episode. It's very heavy, but it's also very important that we all need to, you know what to do. Start listening. Welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today it's a really important episode. We're going to be talking about human trafficking with Janice from Rooted NC. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Hi, everyone. I am Janice, and I am the founder of Rooted in NC, and we are based out of Fayetteville. Um, we've been doing this work for a little bit over a year and a half. Um, COVID stopped us a little bit, but our mission is to educate and raise awareness about human trafficking here in the United States. Now, you didn't originally start out with Rooted. You started out with something else. Yes. I started with a coffee shop. So we started as a local coffee shop in Fayetteville in His Presence Coffee. And what we were doing with His Presence is that every cup of coffee and every book that we sold, we donated a portion of that um, profit back to charities that were working with human trafficking. Um, then COVID hit and we had to unfortunately make the decision of closing the shop. Um, and now we have a garage full of coffee shop equipment. And we are thinking and pivoting and see how we can combine Rooted and In His Presence together as we move forward to raise you know, awareness and just help human trafficking victims. Now, you now it seems like you've always been involved. What made you want to get involved with the human trafficking? I was actually serving as a volunteer in the Falcons Children Home here in Falcons, North Carolina. Um, and I was, I work as a Bible teacher, not work. I volunteer as a Bible teacher um, there for the moms and babies. And in that cottage, I learned so much about the difficulty that these moms have when they leave the foster care system. They are so vulnerable and they're targeted actually, and so propensed to become victims of human trafficking. And from that moment, I was like, I need to do something because um, in our own family, we have a victim of it that we need to support in the process. So it's been, it's been a process of learning and really seeing how it's so close to us and we don't even know it. Now, Human trafficking is something we were talking right before we came on about. A lot of people don't believe it even exists, or a lot of yes. people don't even think there's anything wrong with it. Why, yes. why do you think there's that misconceptions about it? I think that we have started to 
to normalize it, almost to like see it not as, a, as the crime that it is. For many years, and we were talking about this when before we came live, that culturally, I mean, there's, there's um, cultures there that children are getting married at 12, 13, 14 years old. Um, and they don't see any problem with that. And, and of course, it becomes a trend. Um, and it's a crime and it's making money. And some people, it's like we said before, they start seeing humans as products. And that's why it becomes so normal. It's almost like we blind ourselves because it's not affecting us directly. So it's easier to ignore something that is not directly affecting us. So what are some of the stereotypes around human trafficking? Oh, my gracious. You know, um, they one of the major stereotypes is that when you see women in prostitution, the first thing that comes into mind is that those women are doing it voluntarily and that those women are there um, because they want to. And in reality, those pros those prostitutes of those women in certain sexual labor, they are actually being forced and they don't get paid. They uh, are being forced to be there. And most likely they are the ones that um, get punished if they're caught rather than the perpetrator or the pimp. And that is a huge misconception. We also have the problem with um, teenagers that start as a girlfriend of the pimp. You know, the pimp sees the vulnerability, the weakness, um, and they get these teenagers that are running away from home or they're having problems at home and they start grooming them. And before you know it, that boyfriend is sharing them with their friends and the other friends and the other friends, and they feel that that's love. But it's not love at all. They're using humans, again, as products and for profit. I mean, one of the scariest um, statistics out there is that this is a 150 billion industry. 99 million of that, a billions of that come from sexual trafficking alone. And that is a scary, scary, scary because there's people that are benefiting from it financially and they don't see the danger that they're doing to a whole society. This is the global problem. Now let's talk about grooming. I know a lot of mm -hmm. people think, what is that? So give us some details about grooming. What even Yes, you know, this is when we take, so basically the trafficker is going to start, typically it's as a friend, typically somebody that the victim knows, and they start teaching these children that some behaviors are actually okay. For example, when the older friend touch a female or a, or a male in their private parts, they start telling them, this is okay, this is just fun. This is just, this is totally fine. And we're seeing it with toys. We're seeing it in TV. We're seeing it um, in movie. This is the diff uh, how unconsciously they get into the mind of a child. So they start grooming them, giving them gifts, telling them that their parents don't really care for them, that they're, they care for them, that they really love them telling them that they're special, especially if they target um, children that have um, very low self-esteem or in an abusive environment, then they start telling them that going with them would be a better option. So that's when you get the runoff or the missing people um, posters that we see so often in the stores when we go to buy. So it's, it's a process of preparing a victim to see the trafficking or the sexual labor or even um, the servitude labor as something normal that I have to do to repay this person that saved me from that horrible place where I was. Um, and it's really, really sad. The, the, 
when I first found out about human trafficking, I was reading a book by Christine Kane. And in her opening, in her introduction, she shared about how women were being trafficked from um, Africa in containers. So they were putting these women, 50, 60 of them in a container with a hole about this big for them to breathe. The ones that made it alive and they made it through the, the journey were the strongest ones, right? The other ones died in the ocean and they're forgotten. These families, these women were promised a better life for them, a better life for their families. They were promised education. They were promised a, a better life period than when they were. And that's the process of grooming, that mental manipulation of teaching our children that what the trafficker has to offer is better than where they are. And they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Now, victims, they range from all different ages, nationalities, um, sexes mm -hmm. as well. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, this is, not, this is not just affecting a group. Um, and that's why this crime is so, um, it's so difficult to manage or keep under control. This is not, we are not, they're no longer targeting a specific race or a specific socioeconomical background. They're, tra they're targeting everybody. So this can affect everybody. Um, and now um, there has been a trend on the transgender community where the transgender community has been targeted and actually being abused beyond recognition. And it is very sad. I, um, you know, right now, and one of the statistics is that four, four point five million more than that are trapped in forced sexual exploitation globally. That, if you think about it, is just insane. And I love the fact that we are talking about it, but I want to see more action going out about it. Um, I feel that there's a way to be distracted because there's so much going on right now. And we are such a stressed nation and stressed people because there's so much going around. But we cannot forget that we have to protect our children and we have to start here. And one of the things that I love to focus in the United States is because, like you said at the beginning, some people don't want to see it as a local problem, as a nation problem. We hear that it's happening in Greece, it's happening in Africa, it's happening in all these different countries, but we forget that it's happening here. Um, women are being used for massage therapy. Um, Florida just recently, um, a raid was done and multiple Florida spas where um, the police were able to catch some traffickers and help these women um, to escape sexual labor. Um, but the problem is that it, for me, it just cannot stop there because these women and these men, that are these victims that are saved out of human trafficking, they need so much more support after. And that's where we are as I, where do we can go in to make sure that these women are actually, these women, men, and children are safe completely, that they're free. Um, one of the most powerful quotes that I love is that, what can we do with our freedom is to set other people free. And we have to start using our freedom. We have the ability to do it. And I feel like that's one of the most powerful things we can do. Just see how we can actually set them free and free for good. So how can we spot it? Wow. So one of, uh, you're going to see um, major insecurities in teenagers. Um, typically in children, they're not going to be able to look at you on your eyes. They're gonna start feeling shame of themselves. They're gonna feel a lot of dirt. Um, they're going to start revealing. So they're gonna start having behaviors that they were not typically having, um, especially 
being disobedient to their parents if they have that pimp and the background talking to them about how they can offer a better life. Um, if they're visiting, if they're international victims, if they're visiting, they will never reveal where they are, where they're staying. They will never reveal the real names or the real background. They will keep very private information to themselves. Um, they will not talk about anything personal unless they're um, with somebody. So they typically show up to public spaces with another person that is pretty much managing their lives. Um, and when you to ask them about their lives, um, they become very, very um, protective of their information because they're afraid that they're going to get hurt. Um, so those are a couple of things. Another thing um, that we have to be very cautious, especially during this time, is that um, the different contacts that our children are having online now. So our children are having more time online. Our children are spending more time learning and playing video games and playing um, games that are with different people around the world. We have to make sure that we know the people that they're working um, and they're playing with. For example, I was talking to a friend last week and we were sharing about how we have this live games now, right? And the kids are talking to other people um, off their plane, but they do not know who these people are. And that is something that you have to be very careful because they can start by asking their name and they can start asking about how old they are, but then they can start asking where the kid lives. What do they do? What their parents do? Are their parents home? Are their parents not home? So we need to start being more involved as parents and also just sneaking into our children's life. They're still under a roof. We still have the responsibility. So if they're watching a movie at night, just sneaking into the room and make sure they're watching the right thing. When it comes to the age of teenagers, I believe that we have to be also very careful when it comes to the pornography industry. Um, we have to have hard conversations with our teenagers and that's not only males or females, that's everybody. You have to make sure that you're having the hard conversations, that they don't see certain things that can trigger or can um, take us to human trafficking, you know, little by little that they don't know. Um, we have to make sure to fill the gap. And if we don't know, to find the resources. The resources are out there. And that's the important thing, that more and more people are coming together to educate about human trafficking. And we need to understand that it's not only sexual, um, trafficking. We have labor trafficking. We have servitude trafficking. Um, we have um, working um, people right now in, in manufacturing their illegal immigrants, and not only in the United States, that they're working without getting paid, or they're getting paid way below what they should get paid. And that is also considered trafficking. So we have to make sure that we Talk to our children in the same way that we have to have the hard talk that we talk about, you know, sex when they get to being teenagers. We have to talk about human trafficking because we never know um, what friend they're going to meet at school that is struggling with it. Um, and they have to be able to to be also a force of help. And that I think that's one of the major things. On, um, and going back to how we spotted, I think I went into a whoo. Um, uh, how to spot it is really to get to know our children. We have to know our children. And I don't know if you remember years ago and probably in some neighborhoods is still happening. We believe that it takes a village to raise. And sometimes we don't even talk to our neighbors, right? Um, one of my major concerns during this time is that a lot of people think that um, physical and mental abuse numbers are going down. 
but there's a correlation. Our children are not in school, right? So now that teacher, that educator, that social worker, that lady, the lunch lady, the bus driver cannot identify how this, um, the abuse and how these children are getting, um, if they're showing to school without food, if they're showing to school without taking a good shower, all of these things were observed by our educators and now we don't have that. So let's not fool ourselves thinking that physical abuse has stopped or has diminished. Yeah, that's one of the things I had a mental health therapist on one of my very first lives, and she talked about the number of cases going down because of the fact the eyes were not on the children anymore. Right, right. The number of domestic abuse cases have gone up because they're home all day long with the abuser. Right. And she talked about um, servitude and labor trafficking. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, so um, I'm going to read a little bit for this particular part because I want to make sure that um, I want to make sure that you can that we can define it in the right way. So human trafficking has been defined by the United Nations as the recruitment, transportation, transfer, harboring or receipt of persons by improper by improper means um, such as force, abduction, fraud and coercion. Now we have human smuggling too, that that goes into it. And it's a related but different crime um, that generally involves the, cons the consent, I'm sorry, consent of the persons being smuggled. So these are illegal immigrants, for example, that come into the country. Um, they pay to come in the country and they are offered a better life when they come here, right? A better job opportunity. They will be able to help their families abroad. And when they get here, life gets too hard and sexual labor becomes the first thing they do or they get forced labors into um different industries that we typically don't um don't talk about so we have mining we have um land work that um they're being in introduced into um sometimes in some um, states here nail salons spas are using are using those facades as a hiding for that label part. And sometimes it's just working this women or this men and these people tons of hours with no pay before it becomes a sexual um, labor. Um, I want to read a, another one too, labor trafficking. And then to be, de to be specifically defined is when persons, both US citizens and foreign nationals are compelled to perform labors or services through the use of force, threats, or forced physical restraint. So now they bring the, the victim and they tell them they cannot see their family. They abuse them. They, um, they keep them in enclosed environments with little foods, little um, liberty or freedom. They cannot go anywhere uh, without being supervised. And all of that is abused and is considered human trafficking. Wow, I just, I just cannot believe that in this day and age that so people, so many people think that is this is acceptable behavior, mm -hmm. and that really they kind of like what they don't if they don't see it they don't have to worry about it. But it's, it could be your neighbor next door you don't know. So what right, do, you do to stop this. Besides so, um, kids. I think the most important thing is to be able to. To spot it 
to educate ourselves, to raise awareness in our neighborhood, and to report even if it's a false, even if, if it end up being a false report, it's better to be hyper vigilant than not saying anything at all. And sometimes we see abuse, sometimes we see, even with domestic violence, sometimes we see it happening and we just close out. We don't say anything, we don't, because we don't wanna get involved, right? But at the end of the day, we are, if you think about children, we're saving our children, we're saving the next generation. The women that are forced to be in sexual slavery, they're not doing it voluntarily. So when we see things like that happening, when we, um, we need to talk about it. We need to be able to call the hotline. And I love that you have the hotline going on down in the, in the feed because people need to have that information available. And those, when you call, you don't have to tell your name. You, those are, um, you can say it, you can stay completely anonymous and nobody needs to know that you're reporting something because you saw something that concerned you. And it will be good to start raising the red flag. Uh, it's the same thing that we see with children abuse and what we were talking about in the schools. Sometimes the teachers are right. Sometimes they're not right. Sometimes the fam, the entire family are going through a hard time. But it is in those moments where the door opens for that vulnerability. And if one in the family member is, if one in the family is able to get target, then the whole family is in danger. Because now you have to think about, okay, the children went missing. Now the entire family is struggling with that. Now that can lead into another thing like depression. It can lead into so many other things that we have to make sure that the, the parents and the neighbors and the neighborhoods and the teachers and the educators, they start being more hyper vigilant about it. I am very happy that they're training police officers, that they're training bus drivers about human trafficking um, and that we are not staying silent and that states are taking um, specific um, action, but there's so much more to do. I believe that this is something that we need to talk about in schools, especially in high schools. We need to go back into the foster care system and talk to the teenage, the teenagers that are about to age out the system. Um, and there's so much laws that have to be put in place and actually followed um, that we still dealing with that. So human trafficking is not that it's new. It's just that there's more, um, we become more aware of it. And I think that now, because we see it growing in the United States, we're actually seeing it as a bigger problem than what we thought it was. But it's not that it's, it's new in the US. It's just that we're becoming more aware of it. Do you think the reason why maybe we're aware of it is because more people are getting caught? Like the Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein's of this world that they're getting caught and they're, it's more of a global thing and people, the media is on it now as before they weren't on it because it wasn't mm -hmm. really famous that was actually either involved in the trafficking or was being trafficked. Right. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent with you. I feel like because we're talking more about it and because we're seeing how elite people are getting caught in it. Um, elite, um, sports members, we have so many roots into the problem, right? So now because more and also more famous people are talking about it, they're putting it on their social media, they're making it so visible that there's no excuse to not at least everybody have heard the term human trafficking by now. And that's our hope, right? That when we have this type of conversations, that we make sure that everybody have heard that this is a problem it's a global problem and we need to be extremely afraid of it 
And we need to use that fear to battle it, take it and turn it around and use it as courage to go after the traffickers and helping the victims. Um, and really to start seeing how impacting the nation as the United States can help the global fight of human trafficking. We need to bring humanity back into humans, right? We need to start seeing humans as humans and not anymore as products. I love that to see humans bring humanity back into humans. Yes. So let's say, for instance, it's not, we don't, it's not happening to our children, but maybe we may see somebody on the side of the road that, you know, where they have to sign that will work food. Mm -hmm. How do we go about spotting something like that? Like for if they're being trafficked or should we even make the call? You know, a lot of people are like, what if I'm wrong? What if I, you know, what if they're coming after me now? You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people think that these people that are human traffickers will come after and start talking and start targeting them as, as saying, you know, you're trying to mess with our business and threatening them and doing things like that. So how do we get out of that mindset? That is a great question. I feel that that one of the things that uh, I mentioned earlier, how we can use our freedom. We are free. We have freedom. And when we see something that is bothersome and is concerning and it raises a red flag, I believe it's better to do something about it than not doing anything at all and then finding out that you could have done something. So um, using the hotline, reaching out even to the community. Hey, I observe X, Y person, right? In the corner, have you seen them before? Have you, like, either new in the area? Um, when we're dealing, for example, with homelessness, and we saw this in, in Fayetteville, per se, we, um, the community knows who are new, who just came in, who are just passing by, and the cops sometimes know too. And it's important to observe what is happening with um, the people that are in the streets, and the ones that are going, that are rebelling, I'm sorry, rebelling, rebelling against their families and they're leaving home. So we have to make sure that I prefer for us, like I said before, to be hyper vigilant and be wrong about it than to not say anything and miss it because that's a victim that we could have saved. So if people are afraid of don't mess with my business, don't do things um, that the bottom line is don't do wrong things and nobody has to mess with your business. You know, you should not be involved in the traffic of any human being. Okay. It's just absolutely wrong in any level. There's not a victim out there that will tell you I was there voluntarily, even if they started as, Oh, I was okay. I was in it for my friend because my friend was the one that brought me in. They will tell you that they were not there um, voluntarily. I mean, putting it into numbers, and this is going to be a hard number, um, and I'm going to give a warning before I say it, from 12 to 15 years old, okay? And if you think about it, put yourself and think about it when you were when you were 12 years old, what were you doing, okay? And if you think about the amount of children that are being abused right now, are being trafficked, they see in between six to eight perpetrators a day, okay? That's from 12 to 15 years old. That's the latest statistic. And of course, those numbers have changed because we there's no way to keep an actual day-to-day -day 
um, statistics. But just imagine that number alone should like make your heart boil to a point where you want to do something because it's not humane. It's just not humane. There's there's societies out there that treat animals and praise animals more than they do their own children and women and, and men. And we have to stop that. Wow. Six to eight predators a day. And I know that number has to go up, especially with online. Yes. Yes. And they have, you know, we are talking about this, these children at such a young age, they're being drugged. Um, they don't feel anything. So when they come out of it as a victim, not only do you have to deal with now you're you have an addiction to drugs that you didn't started it right and now you have a mental and emotional damage that it's i mean it is so hard to come out of but there's so many victims that are in the journey of coming out of it but the self-worth the 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 feeling that some people used to as a product how do you come out of that and it's a teamwork it's like you need your psychologists, you need your educators, you need your doctors, you need your um, pastors and preachers for churches, you need churches to talk about it, you need schools to talk about it, you need, uh, you need this to become such a problem that we start talking more and more about it every day until it's so obvious that we identify it, we're able to cut the perpetrators and help the victims to come out of the cycle. And honestly, I think we need to blame more of the on the perpetrators than the victims like you said yes earlier, a lot of the blame goes to the victims a lot of yes. the persecution goes toward the victims right a way of helping out i'm 100 percent with you um when i was preparing myself not only for this talk but for um when i was creating our website um it was so scary to me that when so situation right situation x you get um a woman um doing prostitution right the the prostitute is is taken to jail she's prosecuted she sometimes go to jail and now we just found out recently that perpetrators are actually grooming women in the jail system right so that's even worse because these women are going in there for rehabilitation which we know that system is flawed um but they come out already to be trafficked okay and the perpetrator is outside Nothing yeah. happens. The pimp is outside, continuing to making money of other victims, um, and it's very scary. It is extremely scary, and I I cannot say enough. We have to really open our eyes and and start attacking it. it even the little things can make it can make a difference. You know, even you we might think, oh, I'm just one person. What can I do about it? But you sharing human trafficking statistics on your social media, you sharing um, human trafficking um, resources on your social media, you partnering with ministries that are in, in groups that are fighting human trafficking is extremely important. You know, there are so many ways that we can do something. Um, and But the most important thing I think we need to start doing at home is educating our own children and be involved in making sure that they are not being groomed behind our own doors because it starts with each family right um and that way we can teach our children to be the voice of those that don't have it because they're being silent what do you think about um a lot of these victims actually are given like a little promotion maybe to groom others 
I mean, that's a big, big thing too. Mm -hmm. About that. Yes, it's absolutely. That is one of the most heartbreaking things because sometimes they lose so much their um, their self worth that they also start seeing um, other women as they don't have any worth. So they don't they don't longer see it as a problem. They start seeing it as like, oh, let's just keep growing and keep doing it because my boyfriend um, is going to give me more money or is going to give me a better apartment or is going to give me different, you know, accessories and stuff. So it's that, it's, it's stop seeing, it really is just stop seeing the self-worth. They don't, they see themselves as they have a price. And their price is put on by their pimps, so they don't they don't see themselves as free, and they're so entangled in that that it's okay to continue the cycle because it's, at some point it becomes everything that they know. At some point, it just becomes everything that they um, that they can understand. So they're in the industry and they continue in it because they don't see it as a as something wrong anymore. And that is so sad that they don't see it as something wrong. Mm -hmm. We have a comment that says, Caitlin said, this, that is so heartbreaking how it just destroys their self-worth. And yeah. really, honestly, I mean, especially if you have someone that has low self-esteem going in and that just destroys them even more. And then once they, people reach out to them to help them, um, organizations like Rooted and other organizations reach out to them and help yeah. them see their worth. So they're like, why do you even bother mm -hmm. so much work for them to realize that they are yes. and that they're and that, I, I agree with you. And I believe, you know, um, my husband just shared with me something that I want to read to you um, before we move on on that. And it says a new study of inmates in a New York prison found that 68% of the sample reported some form of childhood victimization and 23% reported experiencing multiple forms of abuse and neglect, including physical and sexual abuse. This finding provides support for the belief that the majority of the incarcerated offenders have likely experienced some type of childhood abuse or neglect. Mm -hmm. So we see a trend, we see a cycle. We have children that grow up in a broken environment that their self-worth is also completely gone so it's very easy to not see worth on anybody else when you don't love yourself right when you don't think that you're important when you come from an environment that all you heard was abused physically emotionally and i feel that that's the heartbreaking part it really starts in the foundation of the home and we have so much brokenness going on and now if you think about it comparison social media um our children have so many influences around them when they're growing up that we didn't have when we were growing up. And we still endure, some of us endure physical abuse, emotional abuse, and we still recover from it. And it's easier for somebody that has been a victim to spot it. But then there's two routes that you can go. You can become a fighter against it or you can become part of the problem. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing those two elements in a very great scale. So you get the 
the ones that were abused and continue to abuse others because they, they don't see, they don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. And you, you find the group that completely move out of it and they want to fight for the victims. And they also have run into other problems because a lot of times, like you mentioned earlier, these victims are drugged at the very beginning. So they get hooked on drugs and then mm-hmm. that's a whole other cycle in itself. And then you figured if they're doing drugs and they're going to want to, you know, if they're not earning enough money because they're the tra- the person that's trafficking them aren't giving mm-hmm. the pay, then they're going to have to get their drugs from somewhere. So there goes robbery, burglary, all this other, everything mm-hmm. just kind of rolls into this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, it starts, it, it's, it's such a big, um, it has so many, um, I would say subdivisions to it that it almost seemed like in order to eradicate human trafficking, we have to eradicate every other, every other crime in the world. But I feel that that's when overwhelm comes in. We need to make sure that we see human trafficking as what it is, is a monster. And it's a, the biggest growing crime right now in society. And we need to start really just nurturing. I, I don't, I'm trying to say, <laughs> like, we need to really start nurturing uh, our children and nurturing ourselves and really looking for resources if available. I know that not everybody has the ability to reach out, but if you can, um, if you're a victim, if you're going through it, reach out. There is community resources and there are free community resources that can be used. More and more, we're seeing states trying to form what they call the human trafficking forces, where they're helping to get victims out of it and really help them in the process. Because like we said before, and you just mentioned, some of them comes with drug addictions, and that's a whole healing process on its own. And then the emotional abuse and that self-worth is so, so important because it destroys them. It just really, they, they, it gets to the point where they see themselves as products too. So they don't claim anything. And sometimes they don't feel anything. Emotionally, they're empty. And physically, they're numb because they're so drugged out. So they just don't feel anything. And they spend years and years and years under those conditions. So coming out of that, it doesn't only take bravery, it takes a huge support network. Um, and that's, it's, it's a sad part of it. It's not everybody has all the answers for it. And I feel like we, as we continue to study more, to reach out, to get more victims out and learning from them, not using them, because that's something very important too. A lot of um, people that make victims, they start sharing their story without authorization or using their story for their own game and we have to be very careful with this when victims share their story they're reliving the story and it's not good for trauma recovery and these are individuals that have been traumatized that their life has been taken away for years and now recovering is from a place of brokenness to complete healing and that process is a long life journey wow so how can we um help someone who wants to escape the human trafficking because i know that's mm-hmm. going to be tough to begin with so you know what can we do yes so one of the most important things and what have shown success is removing the victim from their total environment 
So when you meet a victim, one of the things that they recommend is that that victim is moved out of state, moved out of the region, because while, while they have anything that can remind them of what they were going through, it's going to be very hard to be removed. So we need to make sure that um, they that we remove them out of that normal environment and that we that we grow our our goal is to really eventually to be able to offer a space where victims can recover and they can be protected because that's one of the hardest things so when you remove a victim you also have to make sure that their pimps are not looking for them and they will and that you can offer the security that they will need to come out of that abuse that they were in. Um, I believe that um, that was one of the things that I, we were we were talking about it last week with a friend that I met. And she was talking about, you know, the most success is to remove the victim and to make sure that justice is served with the perpetrator. Um, there are groups out there that are helping the perpetrator to also heal. And there's different views on this, but it breaks the cycle because you have to break the cycle of abuse. If not, that perpetrator is gonna serve five to 10 years and then come out and do exactly the same thing. If we don't break the cycle, it's gonna continue to happen. And saving one victim is amazing, but if we don't deal with the perpetrator, then that perpetrator is gonna come out and is gonna victimize five, 10 more um, individuals. And I feel like that's where it starts, is to acknowledge that for the victim to recover, she might have to start a new life completely. And sometimes the perpetrator are actually victims themselves of the, that they've fallen into it because like you said, they were grooming other mm -hmm. people that can kind of get a little bit more status in the group and maybe mm -hmm. feel a little bit more loved. Right, absolutely. I, I agree 100% with you. And sometimes the perpetrators are actual victims that they just, went up in level and in level in that world. So they become traffickers themselves and they they start, they're so conditioned to it, to see that that's normal, that they don't see nothing wrong with it. And we need, it's, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole dynamic is that mental health, um, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about mental health in the, in the jail system. We need to talk about mental health for the victim. We need to talk about the drug addiction for the perpetrators too, because it's, we have to see the two sides of the of this problem. We cannot. Yes, we want to concentrate on the victim, but we want to stop the cycle. And there are groups out there that are doing those things, and I absolutely, um, I love it. I love that there's more groups coming out to help. Um, I wish this was not a topic that we had to talk about, but since we have to, then it's our job to do it, to continue to do it. Now, I know we talked about earlier about educating and you were saying that police are being educated. I know in some states, they're actually educating hairdressers to pick up on the signs because there is a actual hairdressing company in Wilmington or a shampoo company um, line called Mizio oh. that actually um, a lot of their profits goes to helping women escape human trafficking and she goes in and she gives a clinic 
to anybody that sells their product in their um, in their salons to show them how to spot a woman wow. in human traffic. So yeah. Sometimes they can't get away because the person, the perpetrator, is actually holding all their ID, holding all their money. They don't have anything at all to say mm -hmm. to who they are. So that's got to be like mind blowing. Right, right. Sometimes when, especially when they're international um, victims, they um, they don't even have their passports. So if if they escape, they will be considered illegal um, immigrants in this country. And it's very sad because then are they going to be safe from human trafficking and the guilt of illegal immigration because they don't have their proper documentations or the money to get the proper documentation? So sometimes it becomes like, this is my only way. This is the only thing I can do. Um, I actually love the fact that you share that because I was not aware, but um, hairdressers, the health, um, health workers and nurses are being trained on how to um, also um, point out um, victims of human trafficking. And it's so important that we continue to do that because like we talked about, if we educate more people and people are able to um, point them out and to identify it, that's, it takes away the, the pimps are smart, but they're not that smart. And when more people are start to, they start to identify them and to start to go against the grain of, I'm going to stay silent and not going to say anything. Um, we, we don't know when we're setting people free. We really don't know. Yeah, just sharing some word. And sometimes I've seen it in bathrooms. Um, I know that clubs are doing that. I know that some bars are doing that now pre-COVID. I know that some bars were offered to have um, signs in their in the women's bathrooms. Um, I know that actually they were sharing some cards with a number that if you had a problem, you can go to the bartender and give him that card and he will call the, the police for you. That way, the perpetrator, if he's around, or the pimp is around, he doesn't think that you say nothing, but the bartender is already calling the cops to make sure that you're protected and they can take you out of the environment. But it takes a lot of bravery to do that. And it takes a lot of, you know, you never know when you're going to be safe because um, here in the United States, we don't see many cases of it, thankfully. But in other countries, the cops are not always the friendliest with the victims and they can also be trafficking themselves. So we have, it's, it's just such a huge problem. That actually was bringing up my next question about, you know, how can they trust the cops? Because a lot of them have been, it's been driven into them that they're the bad guys, that they're going to lock you up, throw in the key. You're not going to be able to get your drugs. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able yeah. to do that. So how do we yeah. test that part? I that's a great question and I don't think I have a specific answer for it but I think that because it's such a it's a social problem especially during these times where we have come into so much disagreements with um with justice in this in this nation and in everywhere really globally um what we need to start is developing programs and resources that I think that we don't leave everything on top of the cops and the police, where we are able to form trusted resources for the victims. So they don't only think that the cops are the only option, which I know it doesn't sound great and it's not, it's not the, 
the best sounding thing, but in reality is that sometimes they will be okay with trusting a resource or another person versus the law because the law have heard them before. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just offering more ways for them to feel that they can be, that they can reach out. Yeah. So it's very important that the police officers are in touch with the community that they're serving. So then they know these resources are out there for if they run across a victim. Right. Right. Want to go with that. The victim doesn't want to go with them. They can at least reach out to someone who's a friendly face. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they have to be kind of guarded as well because you have to think, wow, maybe they're taking me out of one situation just to put me into another situation. Yes. And it takes, it really takes a, a special type of person to be able to be that friendly uh, face, like you mentioned, and to offer them the security that they need and the reinforcement and have patience with understanding to not take it personal and to understand that these victims are just coming from a place of hurt. They're going to, they're going to need a lot of support. And sometimes they're just speaking from a place of hate because that's all they know. So what we need to do is to continue to be a supportive um, place where they can come, even if they return to their old ways or if they return to that, that we're here to with open arms to receive them and to continue to help them, especially to the victims. Because like I said, it's a long process. It's a long process. They're not just going to come from one day to the next and be completely healed. No, I mean, we struggle with less. I'm sorry. I have like, I don't know if anybody else has flight problems, but oh my goodness. Okay. Um, they're not going to heal from one day to the next and the people that are going to be there helping them. They need to understand that it is, it is a process and it's definitely something that we have to come together and lock hands and everybody brings to their best of their abilities, what they have to offer, because we all have something to offer when it comes to human trafficking. Maybe you cannot financially support uh, somebody, but you have a talent. Maybe you're a great um, teacher. You are um, a great um artists and can teach this um, victims another way of making money, another way to relieving stress. Maybe you are into, um, let's say, meditation and you can teach meditation to the victims. So there's, uh, there's so many little things that we can do that doesn't involve financially offering the help, but that it really will touch the hearts of these women um, once they come out of that circle of abuse. And to gain their trust as well, and trust in mankind and humankind, and to know that there are good people out there that want want good things for them and not just use them. Yes, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else you would like to share? I am so honored just to be able to talk about it. Um, Really, I would like for everybody to continue to take note of the hotline. Continue to be vigilant. Um, if you want to submit any questions, you can go to rooted.com or you um, dot org. I'm sorry, or at rooted.nc on Instagram, and you can ask questions. You can, um, if I don't have the answers, I will be honest with you. I will tell you I don't know it, but I will find it for you because I don't have all the answers. Um, I do know that it's a problem. And we have to have these conversations more and more. Um, 
and we have to use our freedom. That's one of the most important things. Our freedom is not for us to take it in and just to enjoy it. Yes, we can do that, but we also have to set other people free. And how can viewers help Rooted to help spread the word about this? Um, say that again. I couldn't how hear can the viewers or the listeners help Rooted spread the word about this? How can they help hmm. your organization? You know, one of the most, um, so right now, because Rooted have to pivot, <laughs> we were, uh, we're really just a website and an Instagram page for now. We are really thinking about how we can um, get back on the coffee business. We have talked about a program with thrifting and helping women with high-end clothing um, that can go into different ways of saving people. But the most important thing right now for us that could really help us is that you share and that you share the education resources that we put on our Instagram and our website, that you go on the website, that you go on the Instagram and share the word because that's really what is going to continue to have human trafficking on such a forefront for people to see that it doesn't get shadowed by everything else that is happening right now. Yeah, so true. I want to thank you so much, Denise, for coming thank on. Thank you. And for being open because, I mean, we've met one time at mm -hmm. the WC Faye, or was it? We've met a couple of times, but never really yeah. kind of been in the same room, but never really kind of met face to face. Yeah. So, and I'm looking forward to some more events at WBC Faye if they ever get ready to hold in-person events again. Yes, me too. And I, I am so thankful for um, the WBC Faye that I'm like, I have met some great people there, including yourself. And I am so glad that you invited me and so honored really to talk about this. And I hope that we can do it again and we continue to, you know, and one day I can come visit to your cabin. <laughs> I told you, anytime you want to come, yes. I'm going to go see and take pictures that my husband can make me a she shed. <laughs> <laughs> that way I can work from over there because I have to keep, to keep all my children, all the animals away from where I am right now so yeah. I can be here in silence. But yeah, I but feel like it's just um, thank you. And, and really just a reminder to everybody, it starts at home. Um, it really starts at home. Um, we have to teach our kids that they're worthy, that they're loved, and that we can we can use our, our given freedom to save other people. We're never too small to set somebody free. And on that note, we'll end it. Thank you so much again. Thank you. See you guys for another edition of Chats in the Blog Cabin soon. Thank you. Well, human trafficking is everywhere, and we, it's very important that we know the signs of what to look for so we can save our children and save people that are being trafficked and to stop the cycle. I really enjoyed chatting with Janice, and I can't wait to hear more about what Rooted NC is doing. Um, they're going to grow so much. Thank you for listening. It's, this, this was a tough episode, I know, but it's a very important episode. And that's one of the things that when I started Chats in the Blog Cabin, I wanted to not only do the fun episodes like skincare and public relations and chatting with my adult Nikki Koziars, but I also wanted to do episodes about things, issues that people deal with in everyday life and issues that are sometimes tough to talk about. So I'm so happy you joined in and listened to this episode. And remember, I have turned this blog 
these chats in the blog cabin. It's not only this podcast, but Facebook Live and YouTube. So you can go and see the face behind the voice on YouTube or go to Facebook at Adventures of Frugal Mom. Thank you for being parts of the Chats from the Blog Cabin family. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating or review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting. Hey, y'all. If you know me in real life, you know that what you see is what you get. I'm pretty authentic. But you'll also hear me say how much I love supporting worthwhile causes and people. I feel like support, that's basically where you put your money, is the most powerful tool that the internet has to offer. And it gives you a voice to your dollars. The cool folks at Anchor have made a way for you to support your favorite podcasts, such as Chats from the Blog Cabin. If you're in the U.S., you can visit my podcast profile on desktop or mobile browser to give a little monetary support each month. Whatever you can afford, basically. If you do want to donate, it will be greatly appreciated. So go to my page, Chats from the Blog Cabin. You can find my page at anchor.fm backslash Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'll do my best to pay it forward through content and giving back.